You're tuned in to the Tokyo Living Podcast, where we help you live a healthy and enjoyable life in one of the most amazing cities in the world. On this episode, previous guests Dr. Gautam Deshpande and Nick Rennick are back on to discuss their recent meeting with the Tokyo Governor Koike and share their perspective on how a more Western hospital model could possibly work in Japan. Tokyo Living is proudly brought to you by Club 360, changing lives through health and fitness. Dr. Gautam Deshpande and Dr. Nicholas Rennick, welcome back to the Tokyo Living Podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us. The regular listeners and viewers will be familiar with both of these guys. Um, thank you both for taking the time out of, uh, uh, from saving the world, saving lives and uh, making the world a better place to join us today. Um, we're going to talk today about uh, a recent meeting that uh, you guys had with uh, the Tokyo governor and, um, and you know, how this is potentially a first step towards um, uh, maybe uh, trying to um, replicate more of a sort of Western style hospital uh, within Tokyo. Um, so yeah, tell us about it. What, uh, how did this come about? All right. Well, I guess I'll field this one. So um, we have a we have a, um, a a colleague, and he's a senior men, member of the of the uh, Japanese medical community. He's very well respected and well known uh, around Japan. And he trained in infectious diseases about thirty years ago in the United States. And he came back to um, to Japan after his training. And um, you know, he's got a lot of ideas and a lot of uh, he sees a lot of places in the in the Japanese healthcare system where he wants to make changes. And those changes that he wants to implement are often sort of bringing the Japanese healthcare structure more in line with the the, the way we organize clinics, hospitals, and healthcare uh, in the United States. And this is a product of his training. So um, one of the ideas that, uh, that he's working on right now is to find a large hospital in Tokyo and restructure it from a traditional Japanese a hospital model into something that looks a little bit more like, you know, what we kind of consider a Western care model for hospital care um, and see if by repurposing it that way, it'll be more useful, not only for the Western community living in Tokyo, but, uh, but also for the Japanese community living in Tokyo. Um, and, and that's sort of the, the basic foundations of this, uh, this, this idea, this project that led to uh, Nick and I uh, meeting the governor. Uh, and the pitch there was, if we can get the governor on board with this, given that the governor does wanna make Tokyo an international city and maybe even an Asian financial uh, hub city, um, if we get them on board, we can actually get the ball rolling. So, um, so that's, the, that's the sort of the, the groundwork. Uh, Nick, what do you, what's your perspective on this? Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um, it's really just about uh, acknowledging what works well in the current system and what doesn't work so well. Um, and I think, you know, both of us working at, at Tokyo Medical Surgical, um, you know, we, we offer quite good outpatient care. And I think most patients feel that, you know, the, the quality of primary care that they're able to receive is in, in line with what they would get um, in their home countries and sometimes even better. But, you know, when it's tricky when it comes to the stuff that only hospitals can do, you know, so particularly that's emergency medicine, um, you know, Sunday night, you fall over and break your arm, right? What do you do? Uh, I think a lot of our listeners will be familiar with feeling quite uneasy about, you know, what exactly do you do in that sort of situation um, when really only a hospital can, can deal with it. And I'm sure many people have had either personal experiences or experiences of those around them of, of real, you know, 
horror stories uh, where they've kind of gone to a hospital and waited for hours and people have not spoken English and they've been kind of thrown about or even told not to go to a certain hospital. Um, or even just waited for hours in an ambulance while they try and find a hospital that's available. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, a lot of people um, have, have had really unpleasant experiences with the, you know, the acute medicine um, or even being as an inpatient. So I think, yeah, you know, this meeting was really about saying, look, some things in Japan work really well for expats already, but some parts of it, um, you know, leave a lot to be desired and trying to work on the, the bits that sort of need a little bit more attention. Yeah. And what were the sort of main points, the main differences that, um, that you highlighted? Um, obviously, maybe the things that, uh, the positives that the Japanese hospital system has going for it, and, and then the things that um, you could potentially bring from a Western style, um, style of management. Well, I, yeah, I think the, um, you know, the positives are, of course, this is a wealthy country with a lot of technology, a lot of, a lot of, uh, diagnostic capabilities, uh, so that when you do go to the hospital and let's say you need an MRI and a CT scan and, uh, you know, a hundred tests, all of those things are available. So it's, it's not for a lack of wanting those things. Um, but I think where the improvement can happen is really how those things are utilized. Uh, and, and that highlights the main difference between say, uh, U.S. style hospital care, we, we call it hospitalist medicine, and uh, the, the traditional Japanese model of going straight to a specialist. Mm. Uh, and the difference is there is that, you know, um, not, not every disease is so cut and dry as a broken bone. Um, so even something like abdominal pain or chest pain um, isn't always the gut or the heart, respectively. Um, the gut can be causing chest pain. Uh, the heart can be causing abdominal pain. And from that perspective, that's where a general physician working in the hospital, what we call a hospitalist, what the Japanese are only recently calling a general, a hospital-based generalist, um, that's the benefit of, of that model, where the patient sees that generalist in the hospital setting first and sort of gets the details uh, teased out appropriately with the right tests, the right images, and then once that's taken care of, once that's sort of parsed out appropriately, then the generalist can take care of the patient, him or herself, or uh, send the patient to the right specialty. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's the general organizational model that we're trying to go for, because we think that that actually works better for patients. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what uh, do you foresee or what... Um, uh, uh, I guess the, the main barriers that people would talk of uh, in terms of trying to adopt that type of model. Nick, do you have an opinion on that? Um, yeah, look, I think um, that the main issue in Japan is this sense of responsibility, you know, is, is my personal take on it. I think they've, as, as you're saying, you know, they've got their respective specialties and they are excellent at their specialties. Um, and the facilities are, you know, are, are really world-class um, in a lot of these, these hospitals. But the issue is that, um, you know, whether they take responsibility for the patient, they will only do it if they, if they feel really up to it. So that, you know, becomes, you know, so for this abdominal pain case, for example, someone's got abdominal pain. Now the GI doctors will see them and they'll go, you know what, we've done some scans of the abdomen. We don't actually think it's the gut. And, you know, we, we don't feel that confident in our knowledge about any other system of the body to even kind of do an investigation on that. So it's not us, you know, we, we can't take responsibility for this patient. And then they'll try and sort of pass it on to someone else. And we get that's going on from not just specialist to specialist, 
but from institution to institution. So for example, you know, the emergency departments will often say, sorry, we're, we're full, you know, we can't take any patients. And from, to us, from a Western perspective, we're kind of like, what, you know, you got six beds and six beds are full. So you're, you're done for the day. You know, what, what is that? Um, but, but from their point of view, you know, it's, it's about if, if they, if they take you on, they, they want to be kind of fully responsible for it. So if they're taking that step of, of taking, you know, responsibility for the patient, they want to make sure that they're able to do everything, you know, perfectly according to textbook. Um, so I think, you know, in terms of, yeah, the biggest barrier to, to kind of implementing these sort of things is that sense of, um, you know, sense of responsibility, you know, without, at the moment, there are no generalists who have enough training to, to see every system and, and, you know, deal with a wide range of complaints. So, you know, when someone turps up, you know, it turns up at the hospital and has, um, undifferentiated illness, it's often easier for the hospital to kind of say, you know what? we can't deal with that right now. We, we don't have the appropriate stuff. We, we, we don't know what it is. So go and, you know, see your local doctor or whatever. Mm. Um, I think overcoming that mentality and, and basically, you know, I guess from the Australian perspective, just have a go, you know, this have a go mentality of, you know, okay, maybe, you know, maybe you are a little bit outside your comfort zone here, but doing something is still better than doing nothing. You know, at least kind of seeing the patient, taking a history, doing an exam, starting some investigations, and then when you figure out what it is and that, you know, maybe it's, it's that someone else is better um, resource to deal with it, then, you know, it's handing over and, and, you know, passing it on to that person rather than just kind of putting your hands up at the beginning and saying, oh, this is, this is too hard for me. And are there, oh, sorry. And, and, and um, you know, so then what becomes the alternative then? That's where a generalist who works in the hospital really sort of takes over. But you know, one of the big barriers is that that's such a young concept here um, in Japan in terms of a a hospital subspecialty in and of itself. Yeah. Um, so a lot of hospitals just don't have that department at all. They're just not in place. So that's going to be a big project over the next five, 10 years. In fact, the Japan Society of General Hospitals Medicine is really only about four years old. It just got started. And it's got a lot of enthusiastic people, um, uh, but it's going to, you know, it hasn't quite taken root yet. So mm. that was going to be my next question, actually. Uh, yeah, are there um, uh, yeah, facets of the medical population that uh, that are starting to think this way? And, um, and, and I mean, are those practitioners in certain hospitals? And, um, yeah, how are they sort of going about trying to promote that model? Yeah. So, um, so uh, like we said, so the, the, the Japanese uh, Society of General Hospitalist Medicine was just established about, about four years ago. Um, and, uh, you know, a big, um, a, a big advocate of that is a, a gentleman named Dr. Naito at Nintendo University, uh, Dr. Shimizu at Tokyo University, um, and uh, a, a couple of other places. Now, these docs, on the scale of doctors, they're they're relative. They're not young. I don't want to say that they're young. They're they're well established doctors, but they're they're younger than some of the old sort of established heads. You know, they're not yet in their sixties or seventies. So they are relatively speaking young, excited, very dedicated to to this new movement, and um, they want to see it spread. So to to that end, they've actually started collaborating with the larger internal medicine societies here in Japan. Um, they're trying to um, be more active on the academic scene as well as on the practical community medicine scene as well. Um, so it's a growing movement here. And um, 
you know, to that end, they need advocates and allies that are outside of medicine as well. People yeah. in government, people like uh, Governor Koike, um, as many advocates and allies as they can have is going to really sort of promote the project for uh, forward. Club 360 is Tokyo's premier health, fitness and rehabilitation center, offering physiotherapy, personal training, group fitness classes, boxing, sports massage, pilates and nutrition consultations. With two full-time locations in Mota Azabu and Higashi Azabu, as well as satellite physiotherapy practices in Shibukoen and Yokohama, Club 360 boasts a team of high-level practitioners from all over the world, ready to take care of all your injury and fitness needs and guide you on a path towards a healthy and happier life. Come visit us at club360.jp or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and TikTok. Uh, now, I understand that uh, that Hero Hospital was sort of part of this pitch or was it um, an example of, you know, a, a hospital where, um, yeah, they perhaps have the capacity to um, start to move into into this model? Yeah, so um, so Hero Hospital, actually, um, it, as I think everybody probably knows, everybody who lives in Tokyo, it was one of the first hospitals to start accepting COVID patients. And, and you know, many kudos to them for that. But no good deed goes unpunished. And um, they really had a lot of nurse attrition. They really had a lot of staff attrition. Um, so the hospital kind of, you know, from what we're hearing is, uh, you know, in a little, it's, it's in a little, uh, it's in a stress zone right now. Uh, but sometimes these stress zones are a good opportunity to make meaningful change as well. I don't know if Nick um, uh, has a different perspective or has heard something different. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think, you know, this meeting at the moment was really just to try and, I think, uh, raise raise awareness of the issue. So, you know, step one is just kind of going, hey, we've, we've got a problem and that, that needs to be solved. I think, you know, I think for, for Governor Koike and most of the other, um, you know, high-level officials there, they haven't really even heard the perspective that um, the foreign patients are having difficulties in Japan. So I think, you know, the, the real focus of our meeting was on um, just saying, hey, there are some people having issues out there and just relating some of the personal stories of people who are, you know, having trouble getting an ambulance, people who are feeling like they're unwanted at Japanese hospitals. Um, I think the idea of, you know, of Hero Hospital was that there would be, um, you know, a, a hospital which was which was focused on um, by, you know, medicine for, for expats as well. Um, you know, I think at the moment, a lot of Japanese hospitals, the sad thing is that because the international patients are a lot of extra work for them, you know, what they, they often see more negatives than positives in trying to expand the, their international services. You know, they think if, if we make ourselves attractive, you know, to the, the expat community, to the international community, we're going to end up with a lot of expats. And often that means, you know, that there's going to be a lot of extra work, extra, you know, translation, interpreting, dealing with cultural differences and stuff. So many of the hospitals are just not placed to kind of, expand in their services in that matter. So it would be good to have a hospital and particularly a hospital with an emergency department um, that was a little bit more proactive in, um, in taking, you know, international patients when they needed admission or, or emergency services. Yeah. And, and do either of you have uh, any contacts at Hero Hospital that, that have, you know, expressed any sort of interest um, in, in discussing this? Oh, we can, <laughs> we, we, we've left that up to our, our, uh, our, our benefactors and, and, uh, our senior colleagues. Now the, you know, the, the, the political eggshells here is that, you know, radical change and certainly radical change that is 
trying to take something that Japanese and make it maybe make it look a little more quote unquote foreign is always sort of fraught with emotions and political uh, divides and all that stuff. So, um, you know, it, we really, I anticipate that we're going to be treading very, very carefully as we, you know, approach any institution in particular, Hero Hospital or anywhere else. Um, we want to, you know, nothing in Japan works when you try to sort of bull in a China shop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, so sort of going carefully and, and really working with the, with the, um, with the structure that's in place there right now is going to be absolutely key. Uh, if it's going to be successful. Are you in need of a good massage? Club 360 boasts a team of experienced massage therapists specialized in sports, Swedish, deep tissue, prenatal and postpartum massage techniques and are able to tailor treatment to your specific needs. Mention Tokyo Living to receive 30% off your first massage for first-time users. Contact info at club360.jp for more details. Did uh, was was there any sort of reaction from um, Koike on on what what you were talking about? Uh, did you did you gauge any sort of response um, in either direction from from the interaction? Yeah, look, I, I think she was she seemed interested. The meeting went for longer than it was scheduled, so that's always a good sign. You know, of course, you know, being being Japanese and a politician, you know, being both, you know, you're not really going to get a lot to to read from the response because of course it was polite and, and measured. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, we, we were successful in our main goal, which was just to bring this um, issue, you know, to their, to their awareness that, because I think up until that day, none of them had heard that, you know, the international community was struggling to access acute, right. um, you know, out of hours, medical care, for example, or acute inpatient care, um, that they were having these cultural differences, these, you know, often, feeling like they were being discriminated against or, you know, feeling like they weren't having, um, uh, a, um, the kind of experience that is befitting to this country in, in every other aspect. You know, when you go to a restaurant, it's amazing. When you go to a hotel, it's amazing. Sometimes when you go to a hospital, it's not amazing, you know, and it's mm. kind of out of sync with, with the, the level of experience that we're provided with elsewhere. Um, I think now that, you know, we've at least raised that issue on, on her radar, um, and then in future steps, you know, trying to, to kind of gradually implement some change there yeah one thing i got to say and, and and nick i'm not sure if you um you agree or if your your sense was the same or different um i got to say she was a great listener um and that's something that's a little bit rare you know i've sat in a lot of meetings with politicians and it's uh, it's a lot of sort of stone-facedness whereas she was very um interactive in her listen and i say that to the sense of like um you know, she seemed like a very active listener. You know, she was giving uh, verbal cues and feedback and nodding her head and, you know, all doing all that stuff that maybe we're more used to in a dialogue uh, in the West. And um, I found it so, so refreshing, but so different that it actually shocked me a little bit. Yeah. Now, that could be great political theater, of course, but uh, there, it seemed like there was something genuine about it. Yeah, yeah. And I will say that she spoke amazing English. I was very impressed, you know, at the quality of her English. And, you know, she was, she was willing to, you know, to, to really enter some dialogue on this, on this topic, which was great to see. Club 360 are proud to announce the launch of our online corporate ergonomics and wellness program. This program is delivered in bite-sized chunks of one to five minute video clips every day for 12 weeks and covers topics such as pain, injury prevention, 
best setup, productivity, all-cause mortality, as well as a guide to 20 easy-to-implement desk-based exercises to keep you active throughout the workday. We also have an optional test and certification available. Contact info at cog360.jp for more details. So uh, what are the next steps that you can see, uh, I guess, on, on your behalf? Uh, have you got anything in the works to, to start to sort of um, progress this forward? Or uh, yeah, what, what, what do you think that uh, needs to happen next? Nick, have you heard any uh, follow-up here? Nope. I mean, to be honest, you know, that, that's kind of my expectation. I do. Yeah. I, I, I guess I'm not holding out that there is going to be um, drastic change, you know, in the near term uh, and potentially Dr. Alki's idea for Hero Hospital. I don't know how quickly that is going to move um, or whether it will even end up being at, at Hero Hospital at all. But like I said, I think our main goal was just to try and raise this as an issue. Um, and now once she's got that awareness, you know, moving, I mean, she's going to be a part of the, the Tokyo political scene for, you know, quite a long time to come. Mm. Uh, the next time that someone kind of mentions um, to her about, you know, uh, dealing with uh, international patients or whatever, I think she'll, you know, reflect back on our conversations and go, oh, yeah, I, I talked to those two, you know, international doctors. And I remember them saying that, you know, that people are a bit shocked when you get into an ambulance and it doesn't go anywhere for 30 minutes. Hey, you know, maybe we should um, we should have a look at that. You know, that kind of, um, I think that the awareness is there now. So even if there's no concrete steps from here, I'm personally, I'm, I'm happy that at least we could we could raise that that issue. Yeah, absolutely. I, I echo that. Um, and agree with that 100%. Um, and, you know, I mean, there is sort of a, a glacial pace of change here. Um, and I'm hoping that, you know, meetings like this are just those small incremental, uh, you know, uh, moving of the ball forward. Yeah, and I'm hoping that, you know, as, as doctors, you know, bilingual doctors who are working, we're kind of, you know, crossing the bridge between um, Japan and, and the, the um, international community. Um, you know, I think it's it's quite an important role to play to to kind of be able to to go into those meetings and say, hey, you know, this is what's happening with the international community. Um, and we found out that actually it is on one of the you know the priority lists for you know the 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 goals of, of Tokyo kind of medical system was you know internationalization. So we're there. We you know we're on the we're on the on the radar on the radar. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, good on you both for for uh, yeah. Fighting the good fight and uh, and doing all this hard work to try and improve the um, the, the level of medical care that uh, that foreigners can access here, um, but also you know trying to make steps towards improving the Japanese medical uh, system as a whole. Um, so uh, yeah, um, in the future, perhaps in I don't maybe uh, twenty forty or so, we can uh, get you back on for an update and uh, see if anything has changed before then. But we're going to be here. <laughs> Um, yes, no, so thank you uh, both for coming on uh, again and uh, we'll look, uh, look forward to speaking to you uh, again soon. Thank Thanks, you. Sir. Thank you for listening to the Tokyo Living Podcast. If you enjoy the content, we'd love for you to rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you'd like to enjoy your podcast. We look forward to seeing you again on the next episode. Have a healthy and active week.